tonight we have this special opportunity, as you know, to be together. And these are always sweet times for us. I hope also for the 180 group. Tonight, for the only time all summer, we're going to get to do something different. We're going to get to do testimonies. One of the reasons I love testimonies is because they take truth and I think they explain it well two ways. One of those ways is anecdotal evidence or anecdotal truth. That is uh, truth based on evidence and experience. And testimonies really bring that out. You get to see and hear and understand truth lived out through the changed life of individuals. The other type of truth we might say is empirical evidence or evidence based on fact or proof. And you get to see testimonies highlight the word of God, the fact, the truth, the uh, immutable evidence of God and of his work in believers' lives. So you think about that, filter these testimonies through experience in the believer's life and also through the word of God. What a joy it is to hear testimonies highlight both areas of truth. We have four testimonies tonight. Maddie Clarkson, I'm going to invite up to do the first one. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to look on my sheet. What was the order? Maddie and then uh, reaching the heights trip. No. Maddie and then Mark Young. And then we're going to have a couple songs. And then we'll invite up uh, Lane Oliver and Eli Gossick. So Maddie, come on up. Okay. Hi there. I'm Maddie. Um, it's nice to meet you. Um, if you don't know me, my sister Kinsey has been going to Cross Life for a year, so um, you might know her. Um, John asked me to share my testimony, um, and I wrote it down, and I hope I'm not like too into my notes, but if I wasn't, I would be rambling and telling you a bunch of meaningless stuff, so I'm going <laughs> to stick to my notes. Um, I wanted to start out... Um, by saying that this story is not mine, it's God's. Um, I haven't done anything, it's all God's work. Um, so, my testimony in a nutshell would be something like this. I believed, but I didn't follow. Um, I grew up in a Christian home with amazing parents and siblings who loved the Lord, um, and so I grew up believing in God. Um, and I don't really think there was a time that I didn't believe in God. Um, it was just always a part of my life. Um, and I said the prayer at a young age, asking God into my heart, but I think it was um, an empty claim. I don't really think I understood what it fully meant. Um, so for many years of my life, I believed in God, knew all the answers to Sunday school questions, but I sure didn't act like I was saved. Um, and while I didn't do anything horrible by the world's standards, I was living in sin daily. Um, I did so many things that I regret now, and I wasn't a good person by any means. I was sinful and broken. Um, around eighth grade was when things really got bad for me. Uh, my sinful nature came out full force, and it caught up to me. Um, I was sucked into worldliness. I acted like the world, thought like the world, and was enticed by the things that the world had to offer. I treated my siblings very poorly, something that still shows its consequences. I've got two little brothers who um, I can see that um, showing up now, which is sad. Um, I didn't have a good relationship with my parents, also shows now. Um, I wanted attention where it shouldn't be given. I wanted friends who weren't believers, so they weren't healthy for me. Um, and I wanted them 
only for my benefit. I was super selfish. I wanted everything to be about me. I was living a life of sin. All the while still knowing that there was a God who was watching me, but I was still sinning. Um, when things began to roll off the tracks and I didn't get my way, I became very depressed. Um, because of my attitude and stubbornness, I didn't have many friends. I was blocking myself off from great friendships that my family had to offer. I didn't put myself into situations where I could get godly friends. Um, and I didn't allow the Lord to be the friend that he's there to be. Um, and I was blocking myself off from these friendships that could have helped me. I didn't even realize it. Um, because of this, I became super lonely and I began to believe a bunch of lonely lies. I wallowed in self-pity, sitting alone many nights believing that no one cares about me or who would notice if I just wasn't there the next day. Because of my sin, I found myself lonely and depressed and I didn't think there was any hope. In the midst of all my brokenness, God found a way to open my ears little by little. My family began to play Christian radio in the car um, and the music reached me in a way that nothing else really did. I started to see God differently than I had before. Um, some of the songs um, that really affected me, Strong Enough by Matthew West, it showed me the truth from Philippians 4.13 that God is there to carry you when things get tough and he won't give you anything more than you can handle. Stronger by Mandisa showed me that when the waves are taking you under, God's right there and he's, he's caring for you. He, he won't give you more than you can handle. Um, Can't Get Over You by Anthem Lights showed me the love that God has. A love like no other. A love that covers all, a love that forgives, a love that's greater than anything else. Um, God used these songs to open my eyes and instead of seeing God as an uninvolved, uncaring God, these songs showed me the loving side of him, a side that I hadn't seen before. Um, I began to think for myself, and instead of simply going with what the world said, I started to actually think about what I was doing, which was good. Um, I really didn't change my life, though, until high school. Um, I entered a youth group here at Grace and as a freshman. Um, I began to see people who loved the Lord, and I hadn't seen that so much because I had kept myself from a situation that would show me that. Um, and the leaders and the friends that I began to make um, really showed me something different, something, they had something special. It was so different from what I'd seen, and I wanted it. Um, it was really hard to rip myself away from the way I'd been thinking and living for so long. Um, but through God's grace, he led me to the cross. And I remember the Good Friday service that year. It, it held so much more weight. Because um, I finally saw what God did for me. He died. He took my shame and he made me new. He, he gave me... Um, he, he took away my shame and he made me a child of his own. Um, God began to work through me, placing people in situations 
in my life that helped grow me. And instead of just believing, I began to follow. Um, it wasn't easy, but I know that he's been there through all of it. I'm still learning. He's still working on me. He's really working on me. Um, but, um, and so many of those things that I struggled with, I still see. They're still pre prevalent in my life. Um, but I know that God's forgiven me, and I rest in his arms as I keep fighting the good fight. Um, he's still got me. So that's my testimony. Thank you guys for listening. Hi guys, uh, my name is Mark. Uh, there's a lot of you guys out there, so really <laughs> guys on that. Uh, all right, so my testimony, uh, I just hope to tell the story of what God has done in my life, uh, how he's changed me from when I was born to where I am now. And so uh, I guess start out, it's probably something that a lot of you guys can relate to, but I haven't always been a Christian. Uh, growing up, God was a genie to me, is how I would describe the relationship. Uh, it was very one-sided, and uh, on that one side, it was very demanding with not much action to follow it. Um, I thought that I was good and that I was bound for heaven, but I really plainly did not know Jesus, and there was no uh, assurance there at all. Uh, more so when I was growing up, I thought that my life was pretty easy. Uh, there were a couple trouble spots, sure. Uh, my sister, Michelle, Michelle Young, who I'm sure many of you know, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer during my sophomore year of high school, but I plainly thought of this as her problem and not necessarily mine. Sure, it affected me uh, a couple times, but nothing too severely. Uh, and so what I'd like to do now is kind of focus on my life about a year ago from where I am now. Uh, at this time, I had recently graduated from high school, uh, where I graduated with quite a bit of honors. Uh, I had the opportunity to work at a private golf course with several of my high school friends. Uh, this golf course, pretty much plainly, I thought that it had it all. Uh, it was practically the dream job, one thing that I had been looking for for pretty much a year prior to it. Uh, my lifestyle at this, though, was something that I'd probably describe as open rebellion to God. I lived in drunkenness, idolatry, and just a lifestyle that now, looking back on, would be very unpleasing to the Lord. Uh, so fast forward a couple months uh, from there, and I actually started college in the fall of 2014 at Montana State University, uh, and I was still living the same lifestyle. However, God, God would soon change this. Uh, well, at college, I, there was an invitation from my sister to go to Cross Life with her. I went, but it was not necessarily for worship, but more out of a feeling of pity for her. I felt bad about where she had been with cancer and how much it had changed her that I felt that I needed to do something to show that love for her. Uh, this has now changed though and I'm glad to say that I am here for worship and not necessarily for pity for her. Through going to Cross Life I got involved with a Bible study uh, and through that study I learned who God was, uh, a saving God, who I was a sinner and who Jesus was, my Savior. I prayed for Jesus to enter my life and God sent his son into my life. Uh, I'm thankful for that day. And since being saved, God has caused growth. So I'd like to talk uh, now about that growth. But before we do, I'd like to look at God's sovereignty. 
and I'd like for you to consider a couple of verses. Proverbs 16.9, which states, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. As well as Romans 8.28-29, which states, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. A couple of things to highlight from that verse is the idea of God working through all things, that there is nothing outside of God's hands that he doesn't use to bring about this good. But what exactly is this good that he's working for? Going to verse 29, you can see the answer, that it's to be conformed to the image of his son, basically sanctification. And so I'd like to focus in on this and plainly tell you that it is, at least in my life, it has been an internal battle uh, constantly waging between my desires and God's perfect will. Uh, I'd like to show you a couple instances in my recent life that have shown this in almost decisions that have been tough for me to make. But looking back now, the final uh, decision that was made is pretty plain of God's will. And so this, uh, this same job that I had a year ago, this working at the golf course, the dream job, I had an opportunity to go back to it after my freshman year of college. And I did go back for a week. However, God was pulling me in a different direction. I got a call from my sister who told me uh, pretty plainly that her cancer had doubled in size. Uh, this hit my heart pretty, pretty tough. And I was broken for a little bit. I, I went to God in prayer, was asking him why he would do such a thing. And after praying, I finally went to his word, in which I opened the Bible to Ecclesiastes 7.4, which states, The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. While pursuing my pleasures, I had proved myself to be a fool, and I saw plainly where God uh, willed for me to be. So I left the job and came to be with my sister. Uh, since then, I can see that it has been God's will that was pulling me through all of that. But it didn't stop there. Once in Bozeman, I needed to find a job, and there were several opportunities. There was a job that would prove to have a lot of monetary gain to it. The starting wage was pretty high, and it looked pretty pleasing. However, there was also a job where I could go and learn from people who were walking in the faith, people who would no doubtly, no doubtly influence me and show me what to strive for. Uh, looking back now, I can see that the verse Proverbs 16, 16, which states, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver, really puts this decision where it needs to be. Uh, pursuing monetary gain was another one of my passion, the passions that God has been working on uh, pretty, pretty adamantly. And I can say to this day that working for a company where I have the opportunity to learn from people who are walking in the faith, who influence me daily, and show me uh, what it looks like to strive in the faith has really been an influence on me. I also want to tell you that although these uh, decisions that I've kind of highlighted for you, though some of you sitting out there may be like, ah, that doesn't seem like that bad of a decision. At the time, they were really uh, troublesome and almost, in some cases, I thought it was too much for me to handle at times. Uh, but looking back now, I can tell you that it really isn't and I'd like to show one thing that I'd like to highlight is that a year ago, one thing that I was lacking very plainly was happiness. There was a feeling deep down inside that said, you didn't 
you don't have what you're really searching for. There's something more to be had. And it's this feeling of happiness that I ha now have that I feel can be rooted in the promises of God and Jesus, like that found in 1 John 5.13, which states, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This promise of eternal life has been uh, very assuring in my life, and it leads me to happiness almost. Uh, all things considered, as God molds me in my on my lifelong journey to the image of his son, I feel that the only question that remains, even though at times it can be tough or even seem over, over cumbersome, is the question of will you join me? Thank you. My name is Lane Oliver, and I'm a rising sophomore at MSU. This summer, I have been working through a couple Bible studies, one on the book of Ephesians and the other on fighting idols in our hearts. Through these studies, I have come to realize that literally every gift, talent, opportunity, even my faith is a gift from God. And as I look back on my life before I was saved, uh, I'm even more convinced of this because if it wasn't a gift, I would not have accepted salvation. I was raised in an active Christian home, attending a Lutheran church until my family started coming to grace when I was in the fourth or fifth grade. However, in about sixth grade, I started doubting and questioning this God and faith in my parents, and I wanted proof of his existence, and I would ask questions like, how could a loving, perfect God create us for his glory? Like, isn't that selfish? And I would think things like, I'm not, I'm not that bad of a person, and I don't need a God. I don't need his help. I'm strong and independent. But, and it was like this whole idea of submitting my will to his, it made me feel like, I was like, that just seems so weak. Um, but God was patient and persistent. He sent trials my way, such as anemia and foot injuries, which jeopardized my running career, something I held very dearly. Through these trials, I slowly drew closer to this God that I wasn't too keen on believing in. As I transitioned into high school, some of my doubts dissipated. I now believed intellectually that there was a God and that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and that I was a sinner in need of salvation. However, I had no desire to submit to him and make him my Lord. And every Sunday, Pastor Brian would say at the end of his message, where do you stand with the Lord? There's no middle ground. You can't be on the fence. And oh, that just irked me so much. And I was like, just get off my back, bro. Come on. <laughs> I don't need you telling me what to do. But I now realize that this was God working on my heart. <laughs> Additionally, the summer going into my sophomore year, I attended a Bible camp that taught, or taught baptism was necessary for salvation. Now, this was totally foreign to me and forced me to wrestle with what salvation actually entailed. After summer camp, I was kind of on this Jesus high, and I thought I was A-OK -okay with God. However, this feeling soon faded. But I attended, um, continued to attend uh, youth rallies, and then I returned to the same summer camp the next year. But I was still struggling with the willingness, or rather unwillingness, to submit to God. Um, and often, well, I just would use the excuse that I didn't feel the need for salvation. I wasn't that terrible of a sinner by the world standards, 
and I would pray to God, please show me my need for you, which he would do by sending some trial, and I would realize how helpless I was in the situation, but then I would pretty soon forget that I was helpless. But later that summer, in the August going into my junior year, I realized that if I was going to claim that I believed in a God and the power of resurrection and salvation, then I better do as he says. I still wasn't feeling the need or the desire to submit to him, but I could at least obey. And so obey I did. And by God's grace, I was saved and consequently baptized on 8, 10 of 12. That's probably the only reason I can remember the day I got baptized. It was like numbers. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for nerding out. Um, <laughs> please note that while I got baptized and saved on the same day, my baptism was not a means to salvation. Um, for as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one may boast. Submitting to God was such a relief, and ironically, it was after being saved that I realized how much I needed him and like just how far away from him I was. Additionally, since making him my Lord, I have less fear and stress about hard times which often arise in my running career and through my diagnosis with narcolepsy, which is a sleeping disorder. Which now brings me to one of the major ways he's been working in my life. As I mentioned earlier, this summer I've been working through a book on idols, which has exposed several in my life. I realized that I idolized independence, self-sufficiency, control, my running career, friendships, and my education and career goals. These things had become my identity instead of Christ. I had to ask myself, if these things went away, independence, running, friends, school, if they were taken away, would I be okay? Would my identity be okay? And if I answer honestly right now, the answer would be no. God has revealed these idols in my life, but I have still been trying to fix them and remove them with my own strength. Thankfully, God is a God of patience and grace. And by his power in me, I'm still working out my salvation, as Philippians 2.12 says to do. Lastly, coming to college has created an opportunity for me to share my faith more openly and freely, specifically with one of my friends from uh, orientation last year and with two Mormon missionaries that I met this summer. God is teaching me that we are all missionaries, wherever we are, because this is not our home. And... He has given us the right opportunities and the right gifts in the right amounts for us to achieve his plan. He doesn't promise that it'll be easy, but rather a life in which we have to pick up our crosses daily. In summary, God is still humbling this stubborn heart of mine so that one day I hope to be able to say truly, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Eli Gossick. Um, I'm going to be a senior here at Heritage Christian School in Bozeman. Um, I was born into a Christian home with wonderful parents who loved the Lord and wanted me to grow up with that same love for Him. They took me to church every Sunday and even enrolled me and my two older brothers in a Christian school. I knew that those who were not safe were going to hell, and uh, that really scared me. And so when I was four years old, I prayed that the quote, sinner's prayer, um, because I was scared to death that I would go to hell. Um, I, did really not, I really didn't give my life to the Lord and did not repent of my sin. 
All I wanted was to go to heaven. I did not want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I went through the motions. I acted like a Christian, but I was like what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8. I honored him with my lips, but my heart was far from him. I was so stuck in my sin, and I would try to stop sinning on my own strength because I knew it was wrong, but without asking God's help, or asking for God to help, I would always fall back into sin. On September 4th, 2007, I was in trouble for fighting with my brother Anthony. And uh, this, it wasn't just any old fight. If, if I would have been physically able to do so, I probably would have killed my brother. And um, so obviously I was in trouble, and I was told to go um, look for Bible verses that applied to the situation. Um, and after looking at scripture, I realized that I was going down a road of sin that would lead to death and separation from God forever. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My sin was going to lead me to death, but through Christ's sacrifice on the cross for me, I can have eternal life. Christ was God's gift for me, and I accepted that gift that day with the help of my mom. I felt like a huge burden was lifted. That burden was sin. I did not have to live in sin anymore. Romans 6.17 and 18 says, but God be thanked, thanked that though you were through, though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became a slaves. You became slaves of righteousness. I no longer had to be a slave to sin. I am a slave to righteousness. That does not mean that I won't sin, but I can be confident that when I do, He will always forgive me. Now it's my goal to bring glory to Him and bring, to bring others to Christ. One thing that has, a, has had a huge impact in my life lately is my mom's health. Almost two, two years ago, she was diagnosed with a rare form of appendix cancer. They gave her two years to live if she got treatment. It's almost been two years, and after a lot of treatment, she's had four clear CAT scans with no cancer. I'm so thankful that I still have my mom and that I was able to grow through this experience. I realized how short life can be and that we have no idea when we can die. Another thing I've been challenged with this past year is my own personal devotion time. God's word is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be that man of God, equipped for God's work. A song that's been meaningful to me this past year is How Firm a Foundation. The first verse in chorus go like this. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you for who refuge to Jesus have fled? How firm our foundation, how sure our salvation, and we will not be shaken. Jesus, firm foundation. Thank you.